I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher at Grace and Truth Ministries. I've been teaching about why the coronavirus has hit America and the world. It is the judgment of God. I've got a title here on the board. Here's the reason. American preachers are lying. That's just a fact. And people say, who are you to say that? You're just one man. I don't know why God has let me see all these Greek words. I've been studying the Greek for about 45 years, night and day. I've been studying Bible for 64 years. I started teaching around 57 years ago. I'm not new at this. I study detail on everything. Where do I get my information? I have a library in my home. I got two rooms packed full of books from floor to ceiling on every wall. Then I've got books all through my house. Looks like a public library. I've got thousands of books in my library. I constantly research, have been for decade after decade. American preachers are lying. The Baptists, the Pentecostals, the Charismatics, the Roman Catholics, the Methodists, etc., and all the rest. All the way back to ancient Israel, this thing has been getting worse and worse and worse. Ancient Israel lied about who they were serving for 500 years under kings. And the church has been going downhill ever since. 500 years from the first king Saul to the last king Zedekiah of southern Judah or southern Israel. These, they all went after Baal, Grove, Shemosh, Molech, Venus, Isis, Osiris. They went after all these gods and many more, hundreds of them. You can find that in Ezra, the ninth chapter, the first couple of verses, how they went after the gods of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Pharisees, the all of these ites, gods. And that was, those are all sun and tree goddesses. And this is the same system that was brought into the church by Constantine. And he brought in the sun and tree worship into the church and renamed it Christ Mass. He brought in the Feast of Saturn at the very end of December, and he brought in the birthday of Mithra, the chief sun god of Rome, and his birthday was December the 25th. And that tree goddess was the Christmas tree. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and you can find that tree goddess every time you find the word grove. Grove is the word Asherah, S-H-E-R-A-H, and it means the upright goddess, and you'll find that in Jeremiah 10. And everywhere you find grove, it'll tell you that, and you'll find it in in Isaiah 44. They worshiped this tree god, and the tree goddess was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All of these preachers are lying in America. I know the Baptists are lying. That's been my great frustration. I was ordained in the Baptist church by a Southern 
Baptist congregation. I was examined in Charlotte, North Carolina by the Mecklenburg Association, which also ordained Billy Graham to preach. He preached lies, and I'm telling you the truth. Of course, I had they wouldn't have ordained me if I'd have said back then when I was in my mid-20s, if I'd have said back then what I'm saying now. In an ordination, you're not ordained by men. You're ordained by God. God told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1 and 5, Before I formed thee in the belly, I'm the one that chose you, and I ordain you to be a prophet to the nations. God does the ordination, not man. I've never pulled out my ordination papers and showed them to anybody. Now, what? why did they do this? Every one of them did this. And I've got down here, why? Why? Why did they all lie? They preach an easy gospel. They preach an easy Jesus. Easy Jesus. Every one of them preaches an easy Jesus. Here's what Paul called it in 2 Corinthians 11 and 4. He said, there are some men coming to Corinth. They're supposed to be preaching. But what they're preaching, he said, is another Jesus, another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel, another gospel. All you have to do is define what the Jesus of the Bible is, what he said he said, you have to be born again, that you have to repent. And you say, isn't that two ways to salvation? They're the same thing. When you're born again, you're born by the will of God, not by your will, will of God. We were born not of blood, not of hyma, H-A-I-M-A. That's the word blood, and it's plural, not of two bloods, not of the blood of your mother and father, and your blood comes from both of them, and that is the word bloods, and it's plural. You weren't born by inheritance. You can't inherit this. didn't come from your literal mother and father. You can't inherit it. You're born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh. Thelema is the word will. It means you cannot determine, or you cannot determine your own, your own spiritual birth. That word thelema means determine. Determine. Nor of the will of man, it's not man's will that you will come into the kingdom, but of the will, the determination of God. It's God's will who he births. He quickens whoever he wills to quicken. John five twenty one. He quickens whom he will. Quicken Z O O P O I E O. Zumpoeo means to make alive. You're dead in sin. Well, now the Baptist preachers say you have to get G-I-T saved. Well, it sounds like they're saying get G-I-T saved. 
Let me read to you the word get. Get out of a dictionary. You can look this up in Webster's Dictionary. Get. It comes from the Middle English, getten, G-E-T-E-N, or the Old English, getten, G-I-E-T-E-N, to seize, to get a hold of. It's the state of having. Have. It's the state of having. You can't have. Have is a form of the verb to be. To be means to exist. That's what it means. The being verbs are be, is, am, are, be, is, am, are, was, were, being, being, been, have, 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 have. Have. You cannot have or get. It means to have because you get. You Have is a form of the verb to be, to exist. Every one of these are forms of the verb to be. Have, has, had, do, does, did. Have, has, had, do, does, did, 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 shall, will, shall, will, 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 will. It's will and have are forms of the same word to be, to exist. Shall, will, should, would, should, would, may, I had a teacher tell me in about the sixth grade, you need to memorize these, and I did, and I never forgot them. May, might, must, that word might is never in the Greek text. Must, can, could. That's all the being verbs. And have is a form of the verb to be, just like am when Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. And Jehovah means self-existent. Self-existent. Or self-being. So you cannot get saved and have or be on your own. God has to cause you to be. That's what the first chapter of John says. Jesus came unto his own, and his own received him not, but as his own did not receive him, but as many as received him, To them, that word received is the word lambano. It means to take hold of. Take hold of. Now you can't take hold of God before you're born. To them, to as many as received him, it's not the same word 
as 1 Corinthians 2.14. And the Baptists have ignored 1 Corinthians 2.14, 1 Corinthians 2.14. And they've accepted get or to have something without God birthing you by his will. They say, I got saved. Did you get saved? He got saved. Let me read the rest of that. Get. It means to win or gain or catch or capture. You get, Nobody is seeking God. There's none that seeketh after God. The Baptists have got this messed up and wrong. I've told the congregation this a hundred times if I've told them once. Nothing confused me more when I was a kid. When I was 8 and 10 years old, when I was 10 particularly, because that's the year my father started preaching in 1949. I was born in 39. And my father would get up there as a Baptist preacher and beg people down the aisle and twist their arms. And sometimes he'd walk out into the audience and tell some guy that he believed was a terrible sinner, you need to get saved tonight. He didn't even know there was no such thing as get saved. Get. And one of the definitions is to cause to be. To cause to exist. That's what you get. So you you cause yourself to get saved. That's not something you get. That's something God does to his elect family. The word saved is sozo. Sozo. Why does the Baptists preach this? They used to preach predestination 150 years ago. All the Baptists taught it back then. All, the Southern Baptist Convention was founded on the doctrines of predestination. Got a book over here. Got a book. And it's a tremendous book. Right here. It's called The Southern Baptist and the Doctrines of Election. Written by a man named Robert Self. S-C-L-P-H. He tells you all about the ex-presidents of the Southern Baptist Convention. Let me see if I can read a couple of these to you. This is where the Southern Baptists have gone wrong. Let me go over here to page 36. Page 36. And the, the great men of the church preached this. 36. W.B. Johnson, the first president of the Southern Baptist Convention from 1845 to 1850 had summarized the Baptist doctrine of salvation by affirming the domination to which I have the honor to belong holds the sovereignty of God in the provision and application of the plan of salvation. And he goes on to say, in the sermon preached by Johnson in 1822 before the Charleston Association, he argues cogently that interest in the benefits of atonement are imparted according to the righteous and sovereign will of God. 
And indeed, Christ died actually to redeem and introduce to glory all who are his people, no one else. That's what the first president of the Southern Baptist Convention said. The first Southern Baptist Church was founded in 1751. Southern Baptist doesn't mean Baptist from the South. It was founded in the South, and they call it the Southern Baptist. But the Southern Baptist Convention is the largest Protestant denomination in the world, and they don't even believe these things anymore. And adopted as its confession of faith, the Second London Baptist Confession of 1689, and it's packed full of predestination. The association had maintained the Calvinism of the confession as a statement of Christian orthodoxy at least until the end of the 19th century. Now the second president, let me go to page 43. It'll tell you about these guys. This is the second president of the Southern Baptist Convention. His name was R.B.C. Howell. Then he was president from 1851 to 1858. He says, salvation through Jesus Christ is according to the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Naturally then, the covenant of redemption was brought into being before the creation of the world, only to certain people. Then, the third president of the Southern Baptist Convention was a man named Richard Fuller. Let me read one other thing by by R.B.C. Howe. He says, The whole arrangement was therefore of his own sovereign grace, uninfluenced by human merit. It wasn't anything humans could do. He said, Now, if in Christ Jesus you were from the beginning chosen to salvation and to secure it, you have been actually called and endowed with faith, God has to put it in your heart and sanctification. God has to set you apart. Then Richard Fuller, the third president of the Southern Baptist Convention, says... He was the third president of the SBC from 1859 to 1864. From Dr. Nettles, we learn that Fuller continued the tradition of the Calvinistic presidents of the Southern Baptist Convention. Here are a few choice pieces from his sermon called Predestination. My brethren, the guide, the arbiter we seek is before us. It is God himself He understands fully his decrees. He also comprehends man's free agency, which he's not free to do anything. He can't come to God. And he declares, as we have seen, that all our speculations are wrong. Do you receive the doctrine of predestination? Certainly. To reject it, I would have to stullify my intellect, to discard prophecy, which is based upon this truth to adjure the unequivocal teachings of the Bible and and truth, to abjure the unequivocal teachings of the Bible, to believe that God has abandoned the earth to chance and disorder and to plunge into I know not what absurdities if God doesn't preordain everything, he says. Then he says, J.L. Dagg, Southern Baptist theologian 
1794 to 1884 was when he left. Truly was a giant among Baptist theologians of America. William Cathcart, the Baptist historian, said, Among the most distinguished men of the Baptist denominations in the United States, Dr. Dagg of Wright holds a place. And here's some of the things he said. The following is from Dagg's Manual of Theology, Sovereignty of Grace. God bestows the blessings of His grace not according to the works of the recipient. It's not according to the works of the man that receives it, but according to His own sovereign pleasure. The Bible says He works things after the counsel of His own will according to His good pleasure. God is sovereign in doing what He pleases, uncontrolled by any other being. Then he says on election, all who will finally be saved were chosen to salvation by God the Father before the foundation of the world. That's what Ephesians 1 and 4 says. He had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love and given to Jesus Christ in the covenant of grace. We were given to Jesus. Jesus said, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. The Baptists don't believe that anymore. I think you have to get saved and walk it out during an invitation here. And that's not true. And then he says, The doctrine of election encounters strong opposition in the hearts of men. Men don't like it. They hate it. Elect, eklektos, means to favor. E-K-L-E-K-T-O-S. That's the word election. E-K. L-E-K-T-O-S means to favor. That's elect. We're elected unto obedience and the sprinkling of blood. That's a blood baptism, which is a death. Then he says, let us require every preconceived opinion of ours and all our carnal reasoning to bow before the authority of God's holy word. Let's bow to God's holy word. The Baptists don't do that anymore. The scriptures clearly teach that God has elected a chosen people who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Shall not man God avenge his own elect? You are a chosen generation. God has chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the co- of the truth. Now let me see if I've got anything else I can read to you right now. In page 53, P.H. Mell was the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Let me get over there. Page 53, uh, page 53 in this book. 53. All right. P.H. Mail. 1814 to 1888 was president of the Southern Baptist Convention for 17 years and held more official positions in Baptist life than any other Southern Baptist in history. 
He also was professor of Greek and Latin at Mercer University in Georgia. He is clear on the subject of election. P.H. Mail, here's his words. The elector chosen, not because foresees faith and good works in them, but in part that they might have faith and might perform good works, or in the language of the confession of faith, quoted by our author, God hath chosen them in Christ unto everlasting glory, out of his mere free grace and love, and out of any foresight of faith and good works. God's act in electing some and not others is to be resolved in his sovereign will. Because he wills it. Why would God send men to hell on purpose? Because he wanted to. God willing to show his wrath and make his power known, he endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. Cattle tinzo fully accomplished. That's why we don't need to argue with anybody about the truth. God has a family, his sheep that he's chosen from the beginning. We're honored to look for sheep and nobody else. Somebody wants to argue or start saying something that's ignorant, say, excuse me, I have to go. The hearing ear and the seeing eye of the Lord has made him both of them. If they can hear, they will hear. They may not hear you today, but say something that they can hear in time. This is still P.H. Mail. The elect are, by the influence of sovereign grace, made willing in the day of God's power. Thy people shall be willing in the day of my power, God says, Psalms 110.3. Those not elected have no active principle of disobedience imparted to them and feel no restraint upon their own evil wills. They are simply passed by. While they work out God's purposes, they do it unconsciously and wickedly. It is God that works in you, believers, to willing to do his good pleasure. But he doesn't work in those people. They're fitted for destruction. They are. In Second Peter 2.12, they are natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed. Made is the word genea, G-E-N-E-A. It comes from the word genesis, which is the word nativity, G-E-N-N-E-S-I-S, and that means nativity. Genea, they were born to be taken and destroyed and put in hell. What really gets me, could God have made everybody with perfect minds and perfect bodies. Well, why didn't he do that? Because he didn't want to. It was his pleasure and purpose. He's chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children. We've been adopted. When someone is adopted, it is, is it the will of the children in an orphanage to be adopted by the shopping parents? No. It's the, it's the future parents' will to pick out who they will. Adoption in Ephesians 1 and 5 
is the word Huiotosia, H-U-I-O-T-H-E-S-I-A. Huiotosia comes from what? Huias, Huias, which is the word sons, and Tithomai. Tithomai means to place. God places sons in his kingdom. You do not place yourself. If you are born again, you become a new creature. It, God, you must be born again, Jesus told Nicodemus. But you're born not of your own will. It'll be the will of God that comes and blows upon you. He also tells Nicodemus, The wind bloweth where it listeth. Listeth is the word thalo, T-H-E-L-O. It is a form of the word thalema that you find in John 1, 13. It means to will. The wind blows where it wills. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit. The Spirit bloweth where it listeth. The Spirit bloweth where it wills. The Spirit blows where it wills. It quickens who it wills, not who you will. Your will has nothing to do with being born again. You're going along somewhere, riding in a car. You hear a preacher on the radio. He may be a false teacher, and he reads the Bible. And the Word of God comes out of his false message and cuts into your heart, and you come alive. And then you say, I have to... I have to do something to be saved. I I want to be saved. You're already a believer and you're already being saved. And he says, this is still P.H. Mel, that president of the Southern Baptist Convention, longer than anyone. Those whose names are not written in the book of life in Revelation 2015, who are appointed to wrath, in First Thessalonians 5 and 9, who are before of old ordained to this condemnation, Jude 4, who would stumble in at the word being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed, First Peter 2 and 8. He had determined to leave their sins and endure them with much long-suffering as vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. He was a good preacher, wasn't he? Now, J.P. Boyce, founder of Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. They don't believe this anymore. Southwestern in Fort Worth, which is a large Southern Baptist seminary, was founded by B.H. Carroll on these doctrines, and they don't embrace it anymore. J.P. Boyce said, was founder of the first, was first president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. He was also president of the Southern Baptist Convention in 1872 to 1879. He believed in unconditional election and is regarded as one of the outstanding Baptist theologians of the 19th century. His abstract Systematic theology has been published, and we are given his remarks on the unconditional election from his sermon by that title. The theory of Calvinists as to election is that God, 
not man, of his own purpose, according with his will, and not from any obligation of man, nor because of any will of man, has from eternity the period of God's action, not in time, in which man acts, determined to save, not has actually saved, but simply determined to do so and to save, not merely to confer a gospel or church privileges upon a definite number of mankind, not the whole race, nor indefinitely, merely some of them, nor indefinitely a certain proportionate part, but a definite number. That's why he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, and he died for his wife, the church, and nobody else. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, says it in the King James Bible. But the word is A-U-T-A-T-A, A-U-T-A-T-A. The A-T-A is feminine gender. It's our word auto, but it's also feminine gender, so it means her. He died for his church, nobody else. And it's only a few people. Straight is the gate, now is the way. That leads to eternal life, and only a few will find it. Because wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction and many there be that go in there so only a few people have been chosen by God only a few will believe that's why the world is in such bad shape because most of these people out here most of the preachers are not believers and he goes on to write it's a definite number not the whole race nor indefinitely merely merely some of them nor indefinitely But it's a definite number as individuals, not the whole or part of the race, nor of the nation, nor of the church, nor of the class, as of believers or or the pious, but individuals, not for or because of any merit or work of theirs, nor of any value to him of them. When preachers get you to walk down the aisle, that doesn't mean nothing. If God quickens you, you'll come alive and you'll do living things. We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in these good works, Ephesians 2.10. Now, Reverend E.E. E. Folk in the Baptist Reflector commented on Boyce's abilities and fruits as a teacher of theology. He was a great teacher. He could get more hard, solid study out of a boy than any teacher whose classes we ever had the privilege of attending. And though the young men were generally rank Armenians when they came to the seminary, a few went a few went through his course under him without being converted to his strong Calvinistic views. I'll read some more later. Let me mark that. These are Southern Baptists, you Southern Baptists. All right. Got to J.P. Boyce. I'll get to James Broadus next time. And Charles Spurgeon, B.H. Carroll, and E.C. Dargan, J.B. Tidwell, F.H. Kerfoot, J.B. Gambrell, W.T. Connor, and Dr. Tom Nettles, and these were all predestinationists, including Roger Williams, the first Baptist in America. Now, 
Now, how are you, how do you come alive? The Baptist preachers don't believe what they used to believe. This is the reason for the coronavirus, as well as the charismatics, as well as the Methodists. The Methodists believe you're saved by good works. My father, my father's father was a circuit-riding Methodist preacher, a circuit-riding preacher back in the early 1900s. That meant he would go from one church to another church each following Sunday and preach there because they didn't have enough preachers to go around. My father became a Methodist song leader before he surrendered to preach in a Baptist church. I don't know why he was preaching because he preached to accept Christ, sinner's prayer for salvation, and he knew so little about the Bible. And I was so frustrated because I thought because he was my father, he was somewhat close to God. He really frustrated me. Free will will really frustrate people. He would cuss, cuss out somebody in the church, get mad at his deacons on the front lawn, and punch them in the mouth. (laughs) That's the truth. He would rant and rave at people, and every time he got upset at some woman, he would call her a whore. I heard him say that dozens of times, just because he couldn't have his way. You say, you must be angry at your father. The thing that angered me, he wanted to preach, but he didn't know anything about the Word of God. And he misled me astray and a lot of other people. And I got frustrated over accept Christ and sinner's prayer. When you come alive in John, the first chapter, he came into his own, and his own received him not. They did not receive him. But as many as did receive him, that's not the same word as the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. They're two different words. This is why you need to go to the original text. The natural man receiveth not. Natural is the word sukikos. It means the sensual man. This fleshly man that's standing in front of you cannot accept spiritual things. Receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Their foolishness to him. Receiveth there in 1 Corinthians 2.14 is the word is the word dekomai. Natural is the word P-S-U C-H-I-K-O-S that means the sensual man, the man with senses, the man that can hear, taste, touch, see and hear. These are the five senses of this physical man here. See and see and hear. That's the five that's what we call the five senses in the physical man. That man does not receive decomai. Dec is the word ten in the Greek. A decade is ten years. Decalogue comes from dec, meaning ten, and logos, words of God. That means the Ten Commandments. Decomai means to reach out the ten fingers 
and accept an offer that's been given. The Bible says, dead men cannot accept anything. The Baptists are not telling the truth when they give long invitation hymns. God is not inviting anyone to come into his kingdom. Why do they do that? They do it to show numbers. They want to be seen and heard with all their numbers. They want to get up and say, we had 250 saved in the last revival. 250 walked the aisle. Walking the aisle don't mean anything unless they become a new creation and their life changes. I've said this before. Billy Graham propagated that accept Christ gospel more than anybody last century. He got that doctrine from Billy Sunday in the early 1900s. He got it from R.A. Torrey in the 1800s and back to uh, these other preachers back in the 1800s. And it's just not true. I had a woman tell me that she she wrote to us and called us, and she lived in Cincinnati. She said when the Billy Graham crusade came to t- Cincinnati, she found out what it was like. Billy Graham would ask for all the churches, Pentecostal, Assembly of God, Baptist, Episcopal, Uh, Presbyterians to volunteer people to be altar workers at his crusade. She said that they are told when they would have a meeting of the altar workers, several hundred of them, they'd have a meeting and they would be told as soon as the organ starts playing, da-da-da-da-da, playing just as I am, every one of you altar workers come to the front that's why you see all these people in a Billy Graham crusade coming down to the altar because they're all altar workers. And this woman's, I don't know what they're supposed to do. Is Are the Catholics going to tell them, here, I've got a piece of cracker, you need to eat Jesus? Are the Church of Christ altar workers going to say, let's go over here somewhere, I'll dip you in water? And are the United Pentecostal altar workers going to say, I'll dip you in water and say, in the name of Jesus only? It's crazy. And she said, when I'd go down to the front as an altar worker, I'd start talking to somebody, and everybody I talked to was an altar worker. The people that come down in that big rush are altar workers, not people looking to be converted. It's crazy. That's why it doesn't mean anything. Jesus is not asking people to accept him but as it goes on to say in first john as many as received took hold of him that word lambano means to take hold but that's going to go with as many as take hold of him you can't take hold of christ until you are born if, I remember one time we were downtown Fort Worth, and I was a little boy, about four years old. And I, my mother, I was supposed to be walking along with my mother and father. And all of a sudden, they're not there, and I'm not there to them. And I had just walked off somewhere. Well, they came to grab me. I couldn't say, Mama, hold my hand, if I wasn't born. 
You can't take hold of God until you're born. You can't accept the things that he said until you're born. You will accept Christ and his doctrine when you're born. But I couldn't figure out what that meant when I was a little boy. How would how do you accept Christ? I was already a believer. I had to go up and study the Bible to find that out. My father kept saying, if you don't know tonight, this may be your last chance. That wasn't true. There's no last chance to one of God's elect. They'll all come to him. Boy, my father confused me. But he said, as many as received, let me just show this to you. So this will, you'll know to compare it over in Isaiah 64. These two verses go together. The accept Christ's gospel and these verses, 64, and starting in verse 6. We are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Filthy rags is a very interesting word. Ed, E-D. It's pronounced a Y-D. E-D. It means a minstrel cloth, and nothing was more filthy to the Jew than that. All our righteousnesses are filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf. Our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away from God and anything righteous. Then he says, There is none that calleth upon thy name. That would be a synonymous verse with how shall they call on him in whom they've not believed. There's none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself. Stirreth up is the word U-W-R. Ur. It means to wake one's self from the dead. You can't wake yourself from the dead when you're dead in sin. There's none that calleth upon my name. That would go with whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? You can't call until you believe. You can't come alive until God puts faith or belief in your heart. They're both the same word. One's the verb, the other's the noun. There's none that calleth upon name that name that wakes himself from the dead to take hold of God. That's why when he says, as many as received him takes hold of him, only after, when you take hold, you have to already be born. There's none that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee, for thou hast hid thy face from us. You're hidden from us. We, we don't seek you. You're hidden from us and has consumed us because of our iniquities. But now, O Lord, thou art our father. We are the clay, and thou our potter, and we are all the work of thy hands. The clay can't say to the potter, why have you made me thus? The clay can't think or talk for itself. It's just a piece of clay. That's all we are. Now, let me go back here to John, the first chapter. But as many as takes hold of God, you have to be alive to do that. 
To them gave he the power, the exousia, E-X-O-U-S-I-A, E-X-O-U-S-I-A. That's the word power. It comes from the word E-X-E-S-T-I. Exista means existence. He has to give you existence to become sons of God. Become is the word genomai. He's got to give you existence to be born. Genomai comes from genesis. Comes from that same word, G-E-N-E-A. Those were born to be taken and destroyed in Second Peter. Genomai, he gave us to cause to be. Genomai means to cause to be or to become. He's given us power, existence, to become children of God. You can't become a child of God without Him giving you that. It's a gift from God. That's what faith is. Faith is death to self. But you can't die to self when you're dead in your sin. All you can do is live for the flesh. Now, that's why the Baptist, God says, if you go after other doctrines in Deuteronomy 28, I'm going to send the sword, the famine, the pestilence, the pestilence, the coronavirus. I'm going to send AIDS. I'm going to send Ebola. I believe this is a beginning of sorrows that we're suffering in the world. It's just a beginning. God says, I'm going to send all of these and a whole lot more. And wars. The Bible says nations are going to rise against nations. The word nation is ethnos. Ethnics are going to rise against ethnics. That's happening in the streets today. We've got all of this terrorism going on. We've got all of this, these crowds and the gangs infiltrating the crowds. I don't know why people think what they think. Let me tell you why that police officer in Minneapolis killed that black man. Here's why. The police officer was a redneck. You could have rednecks in Minneapolis. Didn't you know that? He was an ignorant man. Can we go out here and get police officers all over America and... And they will be all be righteous, godly men, and they won't have any prejudice in them. Of the hundreds of thousands of policemen that are a member of the the what is it, Fraternal Order of Police, the FOP, the guy didn't ki- didn't kill that man, choke him because he was black. He choked him because the police officer was an was an ignoramus. He was. Prejudice. He had had 15 to 17 write-ups. I said before church, maybe we could advertise for a police department that I wanted godly, righteous, holy man that believes in predestination and believes the truth and hire only people that are real godly before God because 
you can't have that in a in a corrupt world like we're in with corrupt minds like man is God that doesn't believe in God. You can't get perfect people. They're not there. The Bible says nation shall rise against nation. That's ethnics against ethnics. Blacks against whites. Whites against blacks. Whites against yellow. Whites against red. America killed over 100 million. The Caucasians in America killed over 100 American, 100 million American Indians over 700 year period because of something because of, because of something called the doctrine of discovery. When that was issued to to Ferdinand and Isabella to, and as Isabella it was given to Columbus, it was issued by the Pope at that time, who was Rodrigo Borgia, a Spanish Pope. And he said, you can go to this new land of America and kill all of these Native Americans because they have no souls. That's what they said about the black men during slavery times. We live in an insane world, don't you know that? I can quote Romans 8.29 to some Baptist preacher, some white Baptist preacher, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. And they'll say, well, it don't mean that. I say, look, I just quoted to you Romans 8.29 verbatim. It means exactly that. God doesn't love everybody. Well, the Bible uh, says God loved Jacob and hated Esau, and he didn't mean that. He means exactly that. It's quoted to Malachi, the first chapter, the first two verses. Have not I hated Esau and loved Jacob? The world, let me inform you of something. The world is insane. It's actually, literally insane. What do you mean by that, Jim? Well, when you look up insane, it will say, see, deranged. You look up deranged, it will tell you to see crazy. And along the way, it will say in these definitions, unsound words. It will also say the inability to think rational. If I could quote Bible to you and you say it don't mean that, then you don't believe God. We live in a world that's irrational. You can find it in the streets. That's where the coronavirus come from because the preachers in the pulpits are out and out lying. And God says, if you go after any other doctrine, any other gods, I'm going to send the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and I'm going to send the beast, and that was Babylon, then Persia, then Greece, then Rome. All of this coronavirus, it's not just the coronavirus, it's all these other diseases that God's sending on the earth. And he's doing it because men don't believe him. Men who preach against the word of God, it's your fault. 
and not just yours, but all those that are before you. I've always wondered, where did my father get his accent Christ and his sinner's prayer for salvation? He got it listening to other preachers. Listen to Billy Graham or Billy Sunday or R.A. Torrey or all these other free will guys. When they preach against the word of God, they're preaching false doctrine. Then he says, Tim gave he the power to be, to exist. The power has to come from God for you to exist. As a spiritual being, you have to become a new creation. As a new creation, kathesis. You'll be a different person. My wife Mary said one night after I preached, we were driving home. She said, you have to become somebody that the old you wouldn't recognize. The old me of 25 and 30, 35 years old wouldn't recognize this man I am now. I would look at me at 81 and say, he's crazy. My younger brother told another gospel singer, said, Jimmy's crazy. I'm not crazy, Dean. You're the crazy one. You won't listen to the truth. But the reason you won't listen is because you don't have ears to hear. The hearing ear and the seeing eye the Lord has made, even both of them. Now, the charismatics are saying some of the most insane things. They look at a Bible, read it. Let me give you something they say. Over here in Matthew, the 8th chapter, why do the Charismatics preach what they preach? The Baptists like this accept Christ and sinner's prayer salvation because it's an easy Jesus. If they can get somebody real emotional, if they can get somebody real emotional, get them crying down an aisle and say, look here, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All you got to do is say, Lord, I love you. I, I repent of my sin and I'm sorry and save me for Jesus' sake. And that's all you have to do. It's not something you do. It's something God does in his elect people. He's got to make you a new creation. And without you wanting to be different, you've got to become a different person than you used to be. And God has to work on you with fire and trials and persecution all the time. And he has to break you down the road and cause you to be willing to live righteously for him. When I use these words, they're preaching another Jesus, another spirit. The Holy Spirit is truth. The Bible says that repeatedly. It means to take the cover off. A-L-E-T-H-E-I-A is the word truth. It comes from lanthano, means to hide. Hide or lie hid or conceal. The alpha in front of a word negates the word and gives an opposite meaning as a negative particle. Alethano translates aletheia, truth. So another truth would be hiding something. Truth means not to hide. So they're hiding the truth about salvation by saying a sinner's prayer and accept Christ. You can't accept Christ until you believe. How shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? Romans 10, 14. 10, 13 says if you call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. But you can't call until you believe. 
But the Baptists are preaching, let's sing a lot of verses of Just As I Am and another ten of Almost Persuaded and sing, let the pianist play softly and tenderly for about a half an hour and we'll sing some softly and tenderly. Get you emotional, maybe get you down here and get you to get saved. It's not true. I'm the only person that I know of that's willing to say that. John MacArthur gets close. He'll call down the Charismatics for their money gospel, but he won't call down the Southern Baptists for their accept Christ gospel. The Southern Baptists are just as bad as the Charismatics. They're doing it for numbers. They want to get a great big super church with lots of numbers in it, with lots of confused people that's got a smile on their face, say, I got saved one night. Didn't you get saved? I don't cuss very often. I don't tell too many dirty jokes. And we only drink once in a while at special occasions when we have a glass of champagne. Real goody-goody Southern Baptist Christians just get on my nerves. I just love Jesus, don't you? Well, do you love what he said? Do you like it when he said a daily cross nets itself in self-denial? Do you like it when he said, you cannot be one of my disciples, one of my followers, if you don't take your cross and die daily? Do you like that? He said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, contradict himself. And take up his cross and die daily. And follow me. Follow. Akulatheo means to be in the same way with. And Jesus is in the narrow way. And that's the same word as tribulation. Do you believe that? That you've got to go through tribulation to go to heaven. That's the way into heaven for all believers. And God will put it in your heart to walk that narrow path. That's not something you'll do. It's something that he makes you do. Now, look over here in... How much time do I have, Mike? 31. Look here. This is... The Baptists love this easy Jesus, this other gospel, another gospel. The gospel is the resurrection. But it's more than the resurrection of Jesus. Every time you find resurrection in the New Testament, it's the word anastasis. And every time you find it, except one time, it is feminine gender. It's talking about the resurrection of the church daily as we die daily. Paul said, I die daily. He said, you have to take your cross daily and follow me. And it's all according to the good pleasure of Christ's will. We've obtained an inheritance being predestinated to the card of the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. It's according to his good pleasure. If you're going through trials, you're supposed to. Here's one of the charismatics. They just read into it what they want. One of Kenneth Copeland's favorite verses is Matthew 8. This is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's for Jesus' first message, preached it in Galilee on a mountainside to a bunch of poor and brokenhearted and needy people, people mourning over their sin. When he comes off the mountain, he runs into 
a leper. And when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. He didn't say, Kenneth Copeland said, the man received his healing. He didn't receive anything. He only says this because the charismatics say, if you send them money, you'll be well, you'll be whole, and it's according to your will. But this man didn't say, if I will, thou canst make me whole. He said, if thou wilt. That word wilt is a very interesting word. It's the same word, T-H-E-L-O. When Jesus said, the wind bloweth where it listeth, it's the same word listeth. It's the form of thelema, determination. Same word is used in John 1.13. We were born not of blood, nor of the thelema, the will of man, nor the will of the flesh, but of God's will. So he said, if it's what you will, it's what you determine, you can make me clean if it's what you want and Copen and his buddies say well, the man received his healing he didn't receive nothing he said if it's what you want and Jesus put forth his hand and touched him and said I will it's my will it's my thalo my determination be thou clean and immediately his leprosy was cleansed, not because of the man's will, but because of Jesus' will. Jesus Thalo. And Jesus said unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way, and show thyself to the priest, which was the law of God, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Then Copeland says, Well, the man received his healing. He didn't receive nothing. He just said, if it's your will. And Jesus, in essence, is saying, I've come here on earth, and I'm going to heal only believers. And since you're a believer, I'm going to, it's my will to heal you. Then in verse 5, here's another one of the charismatics. And they say, if you will send your money to me, God will, by your will, make you well and make you rich. It's very foolish words. Verse 5, and when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, now Capernaum, when Jesus left Nazareth, he made his headquarters in Capernaum. His, he was born in Nazareth in the land of Zebulon, but he comes over here to Galilee and goes north. There's a city on the north border of the Sea of Galilee. It's called Capernaum. So he moved from Zebulon up to Capernaum and made that his headquarters. That's where he met Peter, James, and John. Up on that Sea of Galilee. There were fishermen there. Then he says, Jesus was entered into Capernaum and there came unto him a centurion beseeching him. A centurion was a Roman soldier ahead of a hundred men. We get the word century from centurion. And saying, Lord, my servant lied at home sick of palsy. 
grievously tormented and Jesus said unto him it's my will I will come and heal him it's my will he didn't say I believe you're going to come heal him he didn't say that he said he's at home sick the centurion answered and said Lord I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof all you have to do is say the word from where you stand he didn't say I believe you're going to do it he said, all you have to do is say the word, and he'll be healed where he is. But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Well, Copeland will say, he received his healing. He didn't receive nothing. He didn't receive the healing of his servant. He said, if it's what you want, you can say it right from where you stand. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and another come, and he cometh, because he was a centurion. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said unto them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith, no, not in Israel. His faith wasn't that he would feel his servant, heal his servant. His faith was that he could heal him since he was God from where he stood if that's what he wanted to do. And the charismatics say, and they use this to say, send your money and you'll have the desire to be healed like this centurion. No. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of God. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth they take this along with those verses that they twist into money messages and say you got to send us your money that is false that's a lie and that's the charismatics that teach that some of the Pentecostal teach it some don't the Methodists teach you got to be good when there's none good and none seeks after God and none is righteous. My mother told me that my father, that when I was about five years old, I remember I lived in Diamond Hill in Texas on Old Denton Road. It was, they renamed it Dean Road since then. And it was an old, old house. I remember living there. My mother, my father being a Methodist song leader at that time, since his father was a Methodist preacher, this was before he started preaching in a Baptist church. And she said, now, Jimmy, now, if you do bad things, Jesus will put a black mark on your heart. And if you do a good thing, he'll put a white mark on your heart. And when you die... If you got more white marks than you have black marks, you get to go to heaven. My mother told me that when I was about five years old. I don't know that she ever changed. I'm not saying that everybody that prayed the sinner's prayer is going to hell. I'm saying that's not the method of salvation. You will pray a prayer and say, God, forgive me of my sin after you are born again. You will call upon the name of the Lord. You will accept the things of God, but not till you are born again. The new birth has to come from God. 
has to be his will. Now, let me give you another verse over in Mark. The charismatic use, and what they do is stick their name in there and say, all you have to do is send us your money and God will give you a hundredfold blessing. And they take that out of Mark 10 and that's not even what that's talking about. Mark, the second chapter. I hadn't brought this out in a long time. But this is one of the chapters. What these people do, they pervert the Word of God for money's sake, for numbers' sake. The Baptists need a lot of wolves in their congregation to make the building payment. So they tell people, just walk down the aisle and accept Christ. Pray this prayer and you're home free. And you're not. You have to be born by the will of God into the kingdom. And it has to be His will enough to change you into a different person, to a new creation. Chapter 2 of Mark. And again, Jesus entered into Capernaum, their northern Galilee. After some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them. They were crowded inside the house where he was. It was just jam-packed in the house. All these people are preaching these false doctrines It's an easy Jesus, and they're doing it for money and for numbers. I'm going to tell the truth. I don't care who likes it. I don't care if it makes enemies of every Southern Baptist in America, of every charismatic. I've got a brother that's in the charismatic movement. And Dean, this is to you. You don't know nothing about the Bible. Funny thing, my little brother, I was real sick in my mid-40s. And he used to be on TBN, Dean and Mary Brown. And he'd interview people and say the silliest things I've ever heard. He'd go, yeah, hmm. And what do you think about makes your ministry go forward? And how far is it from here to your ministry in California? And what do you feel about anything just shallow nothing and I was in the hospital and I thought I was going to die and my little brother Dean called me and he said Jimmy if you'll receive your healing you'll be made whole I said well, Dean let me ask you something I said which word whole are you talking about in the Greek text there's five Greek words for the word whole you have the word iaomai you have the word Therapeuo, we got our word therapeutic, and you have the word sozo, and you have the word hugius, which we get the word hygiene. I said, which one of these words are you talking about? And he got mad and said, I can't talk to you, and he slammed the phone down. But right before that, he said, you know more about the Bible than anybody I've ever been around. I didn't say that. He said that. But he said, Here's, you're using it wrong. The Bible tells you how to use it. It says use great plainness of speech. Parhesia. P-A-R-R-H-E-S-I-A. 
It means to be blunt. Don't beat around the bush. Say it like it is. Don't try to be abrasive. Just say it. I'm really sad to say between me and my younger brother, there's a million miles. It's like he lives on he lives on some star at a million light years from here, and I live on the earth. He is as far from the truth as a man can be. He knows nothing about the Bible, nothing. He said one time, he's in the charismatic movement because his wife was a Pentecostal when he married her. She doesn't know much of anything. She memorizes some verses, but she don't know what they mean. She believes in tongues, faith healing. That's what they believe in, and I don't believe in anything that they believe. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days and was noised that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. It was just packed in the house. Their houses, they built their houses. They were square. They had flat roofs on. And they had a stairway to go up the side of the house. So they could... So they could put their, dry their figs, dry their wheat or whatever they wanted to dry up there and have a place to dry it. Well, the house was packed inside and the roof had all of these, these plates on it. That's what they made the roof of. <clears throat> and the house was so crowded with people that they couldn't get in. Insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto everybody that was in the house. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of palsy, which were born of four. Four men carrying this man, one on each end here, of the little carrier, the little pallet. When they could not come nigh to him for the press, the pressure... They uncovered the roof where he was. They pulled one of those plates off the roof, took him upside that staircase, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. If you don't know their houses were built that way, you're not even going to know what this is talking about. It's not talking about a house with a peak on it. They didn't get on some house like that and pull it apart. They pull one of those plates up. And then when they could not come nigh to him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. The first thing Jesus did is not heal him. And Jesus saw their faith there, all five of them. The man on the on the on the pallet, the four that's carrying me saw their faith, and he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. He saw he 
He forgave their sins because of faith. And Kenneth Copeland said he received his healing. He didn't receive nothing. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there, reasoning in their hearts. The scribes were the top-line Pharisees. They were the doctors of the law. Inscribing the law on, on papyrus all day. And they said, why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned within themselves, he said unto the scribes, didn't say anything to the man. He said to the scribes, why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say unto the sick of the palsy, he's talking to the scribes, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise, take thy bed, and walk. Pointing at the scribes, he said, but then ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He turned around to the sick of the palsy. He's doing this for the benefit of the scribes, not the man's faith. He turned to the man and said, I'm going to prove who I am to the scribes. Take your bed up and walk, mister. He didn't heal the man because he received a healing. He did it because he wanted to prove who he was to the scribes and Pharisees. And I said to thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thy house. And Copeland says, He received his healing, and all you have to do to receive your healing is send your money to us. And they call that seed. And the Bible in the parable of the sower says, The seed, <clears throat> the seed is the word of God. <clears throat> seed is the word sporos. Get the word spore. To spore seed means a farmer goes out, reaches into his bag, and scatters the seed. And it comes from the singular. This is plural. It comes from the singular sperma. We get our word sperm from that. It's masculine gender singular. And you don't you don't sow sperma. You sow the word of God. That's The seed is not money you send to those people. They're doing that to con the world. They want money. The Baptists do it with a little different spin on it. They want more people so they'll get more money. They do it kind of hiding their reason. All of these people... They're the reason for the coronavirus. The preachers all the way back to Israel, they're all, all the preachers in America, there's only a certain few preachers that believe in predestination. A lot of them are, are they're different brands of Baptists, the primitive Baptists, claim to believe it, but they only believe it partly. They don't believe that God really creates evil. Anytime I tell one of them, 
the Bible says God creates evil. They say, but evil means calamity. Let me tell you a secret. That word evil in Isaiah 46 and 10 is the word ra. Ra is the same word every time you find the word evil all through the Old Testament. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was the tree of the knowledge of good and ra. It certainly is calamity, but it's calamity when men get into two airplanes and crash it into the World Trade Center. That's calamity. That's also murder. And God created the evil against Israel. Boy, we are living in the worst times in history. The Charismatics are doing everything they do for money. I challenge you to go online. Look up Kenneth Copeland's houses. One house is 18,000 square feet. Do you have any idea how big that is? That's the size of a small shopping center. 18,000. He's got thousands of acres of land, thousands of cattle. Where did he get all this? He stole it from the poor. And when he's investigated on that, he will never give a direct answer. He'll talk in circles. They're circle talkers. They're double-minded. They're going to die in their sin. I don't believe there's any possible way Kenneth Copeland can go to heaven or his wife. I believe they're a con artist. I believe T.D. Jakes is a con man. I believe that Jesse Duplantis is a con. Jesse Duplantis built a house that was 25,000 square feet outside of New Orleans in Metairie, Louisiana. I hope he can hear us on the radio because we're on WVOG in Metairie. And he could hear us on the radio. And I preach against him on the radio. I don't like those people. They're very evil and wicked men. They are, I believe they're vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. I believe they're born to be taken and destroyed. Now, I've got so much more on these guys. Do I have any time, Mike? Seven. Seven. They say that God wants everybody rich. If God wanted everybody rich, he'd made them rich. If you believe that, you go to Bangladesh where you got millions of people dying and starving. Go to Calcutta, India, where it, there's at least a million people living in the streets in cardboard boxes, dying and starving to death. Go over there and tell them, all you got to do is positive. Say positive words, and you'll and send your money to me, and you'll get rich. None of that's true. The Bible says, woe to you that are rich. You have your consolation. Money, the love of money is the root of all evil. These people have a love of money. They cheat for it. They lie for it. I believe the Baptists are wanting to build bigger churches so the preachers can have bigger salaries. So, And the deacons run the church. I'm just sick, sick of these people. I want to go through a bunch of these. There's so many things that they say and they've got it completely out of line. Let me give you over here. 
I've given this to you before. In in uh, Deuteronomy, the eighth chapter. Deuteronomy eight. This is one of the favorite verses of the charismatic. And they'll say, you have to know the situation of, you have to know the situation of the Jews in this eighth chapter. Deuteronomy is they're just coming out of, out of 40 years in the wilderness and they're all poor. And all they have is what God gives them in his miracles of, of bread in the morning, manna in the morning, doves in the evening. A fire by night and a cloud by day. The shoes didn't wear out. Their feet didn't swell up. That was God's miracles. And then he says, And their raiment waxed not old upon them, neither did their foot swell in 40 years in the wilderness. In verse 4, chapter 8. The foot didn't, their feet didn't swell up. And he says here, And they will read this verse. But thou shalt remember verse 18. Verse 18. Chapter 8, verse 18. Thou shalt remember that the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. But at this point, they're not wealthy like we say wealth. They said if a man had one donkey, had a house like this, had a fig tree outside the house to sit under, that he was wealthy. That's what they call wealth. Because they're just coming, they're just about to come into the land and take possession. But he says earlier they forget these. That word wealth is the word kayil. It's mentioned very time in the form of wealth. It's usually army, army, armor. Virtue. It has, to, it has to do with everything but money. Where would it be army? Where would it be army? He said, if you go into the land and you drive all the peoples out and you're obedient to my word, you'll go against your enemy one way and they'll feed seven ways, and you will have the wealth or the army of God able to drive them out. You'll have the kayil. It's not the common word wealth or money in the Old Testament. And he says in verse 11, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God, in not keeping his commandments. What happens? You go against your enemy one way, and you'll flee seven ways, according to Deuteronomy 28. And his judgments and his statutes, that's what Deuteronomy is talking about, Deuteronomy 28. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full, and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied when you get rich physically then thine heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God that's these people have forgotten God 
that get rich, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led thee through a great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought. There was no water. You're going to be rich when I give you water and no more drought and a fruit tree. And brought thee forth out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not. Manna is the word mon. It means, what is it? That he might humble thee and that he might prove thee to do thee good at thine end. And thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth of a fig tree and a house and water. But thou shalt remember that the Lord thy God, it is he that giveth thee power to get kayil. To get not wealth, but physical strength to overcome your enemy. That he may establish his covenant, which he swore unto thy fathers. And the covenant was that you'd go against your enemy one way, and they'd flee seven ways, and you have kayil the wealth of God, as it is this day. And they've got so many more of these verses that they just corrupt over in Joshua. Joshua, the first chapter. They just take anywhere it says prosper and they make it to mean money. And it doesn't mean money. In Joshua, the first chapter, there was a Baptist I used to know. He quoted this all the time. Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. You're going to do the commandments and keep them. For then thou mayest make thy way prosperous. The word is salak, P-S-A-L-A-C-H. T-S-A-L-A-C-H. It means to push forward. It does not mean, it means to break out mightily. It doesn't mean that you'll get money. You'll prosper and thou shalt have success, sakal, intelligence, not money. You won't become mayor of a town or a governor. These guys are preaching lies. The Baptists, the Pentecostals, there are no tongues. There's no faith healing. You say, Jim, you keep preaching against these people. We're in the middle of the coronavirus. I'm preaching because I want you to know. The, I didn't get any comfort in my life until I started telling all the truth all the time to everybody I come into. I am free now. I don't have to worry about God being displeased with me. I have never been at this place in my life. I've said this, if my, if I get around my family, I'll have to introduce myself. I am not the old Jim Brown that you used to know. That's not me. God has made me somebody different. Thank God for that. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for truth.
Help us, Lord, to continue to live for you in godly, holy, righteous living. Thank you for your word. Thank you for everything you do, and especially thank you for predestination, preordaining us for eternal life by putting faith in our hearts. We'll praise you for all things. Fight our battles for us. Lead us to your family in Christ's name. Amen. I guess y'all figured out I'm tired of the preachers in America. Did you write down that title, Mike? Good. People don't care whether God gets angry with them or not, do they? People just don't care. Maybe I can say this enough that those guys will get angry enough at me to either sue me or take a shot at me. I don't like them. Man lies about the Word of God. That just goes all through me. I love the Word of God. I love it with all my heart and all my life.